podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sure enough, when he was done with the concert, he walked by, you know, dapped me up, walked up the stage. I followed him. We're walking back, and I'm literally just following his team until we get to the checkpoint. And finally, somebody stops me. He's like, hold on. You don't have the proper the proper stuff. And I'm like, ah, man. <laughs> what, where'd it go? Yeah, I, was, I was with them. And little Flip actually turns around, and he's like, hold on. Nah, you weren't with us. <laughs> It's like, ah, well, the jig is up. You got me. <laughs> yeah. But you dapped me up. You got me. That's, that's exactly what I was like, well, all right, man. Y'all have a good one. <laughs> I got to take a shit anyways. Yeah. I'll see y'all. That's, yeah, that's exactly how that how that uh, occurred. So. Cheryl Smith writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Jonathan Garibay. The boot is away. Welcome on, welcome all to the Tortillas and Tags podcast. You are on once again with your boy. I'll be sure. And it is basketball time. It is finally basketball time. You know, back in my day, um, people did not care for basketball season in the fall. We didn't because football was still going on, right? When, when I was in school in the, 20, in the 2000s and the early 2010s, people did not care because football was still going on, you know, um, either... Mike Leach was uh, saying some crazy anecdote about his player's girlfriend still, or uh, Tommy Tuberville was knocking off a headset of a fellow staffer still going on. So when basketball came along, um, people just, and it was, a you know, one of the night coaches was, people just didn't really care. They were just like, yeah, well, get to us in December. All right. December is when we can, but right now it's November. We don't, we don't really care. Right now. Fast forward, you know, a decade plus. Um, it is now it's, oh, thank God for basketball because football is making us irate. <laughs> you know, like now after, especially after the BYU game, I have never, not never, but I, you know, it's always funny. There's always a game in the past, you know, some odd years where everybody's like, I just can't wait for basketball. <laughs> and I think BYU did it. I think BYU was the game where everyone was like, ah. Oh, Come on, Grant McCaslin. <laughs> please, please make this better. Um, and Jeremy, I know I'm already bearing the lead on your intro, but Jeremy, the people's champ, is here. Uh, Grant McCaslin gave us some hope with the most meaningless big win I think I've ever seen. Uh, Jeremy, what do you got to say for yourself? Texas. Oh, for myself? Um, doing pretty good and uh, excited for... No, I'm here's here's the thing, man. This is this is really exciting. I feel like we're becoming, you know what's funny is that we're kind of slinking back to where Kansas usually has been for the past decade of like, well, you guys just wait till basketball. <laughs> you just wait till basketball, then we'll have the edge. Um, you heard it here first. Jeremy is saying we are the new Kansas in both football and basketball. We're going to win the championship this year. I, so I, I, I do, what? would you take that? I'm just, I am keep keep cutting you off. I apologize. Would you take no, that's that? That's a good question. If, if you if I told you that, hey, football is going to go to the gutter, we are going to be so wildly, the worst we've ever been. However, we are going to be a national power in basketball. Would you take that? It really piss a lot of people off here, but I would. I would take that. I would take that. I'd take that bet. Um, damn good deal. Uh, no, so exciting. You know, we, we all offseason, we've, you know, we had Grant McCaslin come in, kind of a big, um, a big, low high like a in a very unknown hire but like a big name in his circles right he you know he's doing well with UNT he's created kind of a small uh, efficient powerhouse with them in as much as more than they've ever been and seeing him come to Texas Tech people are like oh what are we what are we getting ourselves into and then what did they want they wanted a lot of tweets they wanted a lot of like big names transferring here they wanted a lot of like this that and the other and Grant McCaslin did the opposite of what everybody wanted and a lot of people got kind of people upset with that, you know. Oh, Grant McCaslin isn't doing anything. He's sitting on his hands. He's not blah 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 blah. And slowly and pretty quietly, McCaslin brings in the guys that he wants. Brings you know announces his coaching staff in his time, and we're all kind of sitting this in this wondering of like what is going on with the Texas Tech basketball team? Have we regressed? And with a first showing that was not televised or anything like that, so we are mostly working off of word of mouth and stats as everybody else is. Grant McCaslin impresses. Grant McCaslin gets a big win. 
a meaningless, huge win against a top 25 Texas A&M team. And uh, a lot of really good things to take away from that scrimmage. Yeah, so so I, before we get to the scrimmage, I, I think you brought up a really great point, is that Graham McCasland is, he was an uninspiring hire, right? And we've had some pretty inspiring hires in recent memory, right? The, the Mark Adams hire was a was one that really, um, I'm not a big Unite the Fan Base type of person, but there's no doubt that after we felt broken with Beard's uh, leave, with Beard leaving, that Mark Adams hire was, was everybody was, was gunning for it. Everybody wanted it. You know, I, I personally, I was big on Darvin Ham, but I was no doubt in my mind that if Darvin Ham doesn't want the job or we don't offer the Darvin Ham, it should go to Mark Adams. Right. And I think most people felt the same way. Most people at the very least said Mark Adams is the guy. Mind you at the time, the grandma was there like, Hey guys, I'm I, like the, the final three candidates was Darvin Ham, who uh, there's questions of whether he actually even wanted the job in the first place, Mark Adams, and then grandma Caslin. Like, hey, there's that UNT coach. He's doing pretty good, but, you know, maybe he's not. I don't know if he's ready for the big jump. I don't. We have Mark Adams here, right? And Grant McCaslin was kind of sitting in the back and was like, oh, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't want me? Okay, that's fine. I'll just, I'll go back to Denton. Um, and, uh, you know, so when he did get hired, it was pretty uninspiring, right? Um, I, I would, I would argue even the beard hire was, was more inspiring than McCaslin was. Tubby Smith was a, was a pretty good hire as well. So, um, you know, I, it's a, uh, so he already, when it comes to the fan base, was already playing behind the ball, right? Because not every, every you know, people are hearing names like Rick Pitino, which would have, I wouldn't have ended it well. Uh, but people are hearing names like Rick Pitino. They want us to go out and get a big face. They want Texas Tech to be this big money program because we've seen the ability. We've seen what we can do, right? Uh, we've seen that we made Coach Beard one of the five richest coaches in the country. We know that we have the ability to go do this. So there was a thought of, let's be that big dog. Right, Duke wouldn't hire Grant McCaslin, so we shouldn't either. Right, and um, so even though there's an argument, hiring John Shire is the same, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, um, so that's what people wanted, and so that was a very uninspiring hire. But to your point, Grant McCaslin is going by the beat of his own drum. Right, uh, <clears throat> you know he is. I have a little bit more faith, and he's drawing a lot of Matt Wells comparisons, right? Whether right or wrong, he's drawing a lot of a lot of Matt Wells parallel. There is some parallels to him and Matt Wells, but one thing I will say: when Matt Wells was recruiting, yes, he hit the transfer portal hard, but there's a lot of guys he wanted he just didn't get, right? That's not the case with Grant McCaslin. Uh, I, I mentioned this before. There's really only one player I can think of in the offseason that Grant McCaslin tried to get and couldn't get, and that was Tyler Perry, his former player, for whatever reason. Um, but everybody else uh, that he wanted to get, that he brought on campus, that he had a conversation with, tra- either transferred or committed. Like, he was able to keep players from the previous team that he wanted, and I think the biggest p- guy that transferred that everybody was like, well, what the hell was Jalen Tyson? And from all reports, it didn't really sound... Like, the way that Jalen Tyson was treated on his way out, and, and I'm not saying this was a good thing, not at all, but I, I am saying this is how it is, is sounds of a coach that didn't necessarily want him to stay. Right? Didn't really... It didn't seem like he fit McCaslin's vision. But everybody else, hey, Pop, we really need you to come back. You know, we really need you to do this, that, and the other. Right? Everybody else that he wanted on the team stayed on the team. Um. So... It's it's I, to your point. Like he has this vision, and I do think there's a fine line in in um, genius and insanity, right? To where he definitely has this vision, and it's either going to work or it's not. And that scrimmage, it looked pretty good. So let's let's get into that scrimmage a little bit. So we do we go to Denton. You know, he his his people up in UNT says, "Hey man, we have this charity charity exhibition thing. We really want you to come. We want you to play Texas A&M, 15th ranked team in the country, uh, and it won't count won't count for anything. It's just an exhibition." Nobody will care about it, but we would like you to, to, to come and do it, right? It's like, all right, cool. You know, usually we have these scrimmages behind closed doors, but this will be a good one for charity. Uh, tech people take over the place, which they did, and uh, it'll be fun, right? Um, Texas A&M is a good team. This is probably one of the best A&M teams, arguably, since the AC Law days. Like, it's a really It's a Buzz, tournament team. It's a tournament team. Buzz has done a very good job since coming to, to A&M, and A&M has been able to boast for the longest time that they're the only Adidas team in Texas. Well, 
not for much longer. Um, so uh, this is <clears throat> I, I, this is a good team, and, and I I actually expect Texas Tech to start competing because of the whole Adidas partnership. Start competing directly with A and M for some of these Adidas AAU recruits, right? So this was a really big matchup in my opinion, despite it not really counting for anything. Um, and in this game. In this exhibition, and Jeremy and I weren't able, weren't privy to it. Uh, neither of us live in in the Dallas area. Neither of us went, but just from you know tweets, from you know Jeremy's conversations, from my conversations, um, and from reports, uh, this is a fast team that lacks to shoot it. It's gonna be fun, an exciting brand of basketball, and it kind of is. UNT wasn't as fast; they kind of slowed it down sometimes, but they did like to shoot it. And it was, everyone that showed up to that game said it was an exciting brand of basketball, which we haven't had in a, we, I don't remember the last time we had exciting basketball, Jeremy. Yeah, and so, you know, coming in, I think a, we have talked, we had talked about it, and, but coming in, McCaslin was known for this, like, slow, methodological, you know, I'm going to play basketball at my pace, and so are you. And that's going to be to your detriment. And so we were kind of looking at, you know, when we had the transition from Beard to Adams, Adams was like, hey, we're going to get out and try to, um, you know, score more points. And that's why he brought on Barrett Peary, who coming from uh, Portland State at the time, was saying that, you know, we're going to give it to our best guys and we're going to run a quick offense because we want to, like, out-tempo, outpace the other team. And so that got a lot of Tech fans excited. What did we get? Not that at all. Um, we, we got a slow, uh, unsure who the ball goes to kind of offense. Sometimes it felt really fluid and great. Most of the time it didn't. And so it didn't really pan out, especially in partnership with the kind of defense that we ran. And so when we had McCasin come in, we understood McCasin to be this very slow, methodological um, coach. We thought, okay, we don't feel good about it, but that is the kind of coaching that got us to a national championship in the first place. So maybe we can make some heads, you know, make heads or tails of this situation. Well, in the in the scrimmage, you know, this this may or may not be his complete game plan, but in the scrimmage, basically, guys were running wild. You had uh, five different guys score one, two, three, four. Oh, just four guys score double digits. Um, I mean, that's 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 not a slow offense, right? That's a very quick offense. We've seen highlights of guys doing, you know, the alley oop. We've seen guys hitting threes. And let's talk about we'll talk about how many threes we're taking. Uh, but you know, this offense is not um, it's not your Texas Tech's offense in your mind, right? Because things that we've struggled with in the past are three pointers, getting out and going, you know, scoring in transition. Um, so this 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 at least offensively seeing all the points that are across the board, especially from the transfer guys. Uh, so I'll just give you the four guys, obviously in order: Pop Isaac's thirty points, Chance McMillan seventeen, David Cambridge fourteen, and then Lamar Washington uh, thirteen. And I think Chance McMillan and Devin Devin Cambridge are the two guys that came from uh, Arizona State. Uh, wait, so no, Devin Cambridge came from Arizona State, and McMillan came from Grand uh, Grand Canyon GCU Grand Canyon University. But having your transfer guys come in and make that kind of impact, that's an incredible and, – and seeing them be so gelled early on in the season, that's a really good place to be, right? You have all these guys coming in with a new coach, a new offensive style, a new defensive style, um, and it's like, hey, here's a bunch of puzzle pieces. I hope you guys fit together. And seemingly so from this game, you know, I don't know if A&M was not really – you know, what is the uh, classic like, oh, A&M didn't want to be in this game. I'm just joking. Um as an expedition, as an exped, uh, whatever, just joking. But you've got a lot of out, you got a lot of output from your people that you've brought in, and so it's really good to see early, uh, especially against a team that is a tournament team like A and M. It's not some random. And this is a really good stat that the last time, the most amount of points that Pop Isaac has ever scored, I believe, was against Nichols. Nichols, gotta hit that ch hard um, when he scored like twenty four. And Nichols is not a good, I mean, it's a good basketball team, but, you know, scoring 24 should be good for, you know, easy for a guy like Pop. We score 30 against AM, who's supposed to be a tournament team. So if Pop's game is elevated that much, he is going to be a menace for opposing defenses, which is going to open up, you know, the scoring for other guys. It's not like, oh, you've got one guy and that's it. It's like you've got one guy and they, they key in on that one guy, but he passes around. Guys like Chance can have a good night. Guys like Devin Cambridge can have a good night. And Lamar Washington, our defensive boy, you know, he's having a good night, you know. So it, it gives echoes of that 2019 
team where, okay, Jarrett Culver's having an off night, but Matt Mooney's going off. Okay, Matt Mooney's having an off night. You know, this guy's going off. And this guy's having, you know, it was almost like this next guy up kind of, and that's what got us through the tournament, really, is that some guys stepped up when other guys were having an off night. So if we're showing that early here, that makes me excited. You know, I, I like to see this kind of play versus, ah, Texas A&M whipped you 75 to 40, but here's some good takeaways. It's like, no, we were competitive through a whole game and we got a tough win is what that Absolutely. is. And I think I think the thought before this exhibition was that piece, right? We thought, oh, this will be a nice little test. We're probably going to lose this game, but, you know, we'll actually get a chance to see what this team is going to be about. Um, and instead, <clears throat> they went and they, you know, Wade Taylor, Wade Taylor from AM still had a really good game. He had 25 points in this game. Um, and he he is a he's a stud. He's a good he's a good guy, good shooter, four four nine, and, and we we try. It sounds like we really tried our best to to, to hold him there. Um, but the fact that Pop went toe to toe with Wade Taylor and and outscored him, and had that run at the end of the scrimmage, I think really shows a lot. Uh, there was a lot of from the clips that we kind of saw there. There was a lot of passion. Tech wanted this game, right? And 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 you know, if I'm an Aggie fan, which heaven forbid, but. Um, uh, you know, you, you probably do say that, oh, well, we didn't really want it very much. You know, Julius Marbles didn't even play, you know, still dealing with that university stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, and I, I probably would have said something similar if, if God forbid I spent four years in college station, but, uh, you know, tech definitely wanted this game, but at the same time, like I said, the fact that it, it does make me feel good that not only did we win this scrimmage, right? The fact, and I was telling a friend of mine, regardless of what happens in the scrimmage is already win. The fact that we're going toe to toe with this team is already a win. That's already a, a, a you know a, a good sign early. into the season. This early, and the fact that Grant McCaslin looks at this team and says, "This team is a f- fast, athletic, gunning team. Why would I hold them back? Right? Why would I fit them into the model of what I had last year at UNT? If this team can shoot, if this team can run up and down the court, if I have Pop Isaac as my best player, if I have Joe Toussaint as a guy that can really facilitate." Why would I hold this team back? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make some magic happen, and, and down the stretch we're gonna play really good defense. It made me very I've, I've very much been on the Grant McCaslin train. I like him as a coach. I think he brings that professionalism, that brings that experience that you need as a head coach. Um, doesn't you know make doesn't use the Bible to uh, talk about slavery. Um, you know, it does everything that I want from a from a coach there. Um, so I've been on the train for a while. This game was actually even better than I expected this out, out the gate. You know, I, I, I think coaches, college coaches in general, realize that they don't have that grace period as much anymore. And so he's ready to win right now. And now I'm looking at this team. and I wasn't expecting tournament from this team. I know some people are high on the team, like, like John Rothstein. Other people are not. I personally am not initially expecting. I want us to compete for a tournament. But I, I, I really need to see how this team is going to go. Um, that scrimmage made me feel a lot better. Yeah, I do not think that this is a dark horse for the Big 12. Um, John Rothstein does. John Rothstein does. Yeah, he he thinks it is. That guy, he's got a lot on his plate. We'll put it that way. (laughs) Um, But I don't think this is the worst team in the Big 12. I certainly don't think so. You're bringing in people with a lot of experience. You're bringing in a coach who wants to win, who knows how to win, a coaching staff uh, that is built off of a really strong, you know, they know how to win. It's not surprising. And the thing is that they know how to win at schools that they shouldn't be winning as much as they had, right? Against teams that should beat them. And they're winning against teams like that. So they they, they have brought together their team that they feel like is going to give them the best chance. And so, you know, with that and the way that, you know, we talked about it on, we had McCaslin on that live podcast I've been doing with Norrence. And the thing that stood out to me, and I mentioned it when we talked about it, but it's like he said, we're going to do, we're going to play with the guys that we have. And this is the best illustration of we're playing with. And you really, I mean, that's a great thing you pointed out. You know, some coaches say that and then they, you know, refuse to play their best player and you lose games and people are kind of upset with you. McCaslin has shown that even though his winning, like his, even though what won stuff for him in the past, playing a slow method, you know, playing his team, or excuse me, what won for him in the past wasn't like his his whole coaching ide- idea, ideology. It was, you know, we're playing with what we have. What that happened to be for UNT was like, let's play slow, let's play an easy, fundamental game so that we're not overburdening ourselves and not putting ourselves in tough situations. But I like what you said. If he's like, recruit, if these guys are like, hey coach, like, we'll do what you want, but at the same time, we just want to hoop and have fun. And hooping and having fun means like going out there and running the court. 
I'm, I'm impressed by McCaslin coming in in his first year saying, you know what, let's do what these guys can do best. You know, because I feel like for a first year coach, what you want to do is like they hired me for this for this kind of basketball. If I change it up, that's really risky. It could be risky. But McCaslin has said, I'm going to do what these guys are comfortable with because I believe in these guys. And I think that's ultimately where that Matt Wells things come in that comes in. It's like, I believe in the guys that I brought here. Um, and it's paying. I mean, you know, again, a meaningless most important win of the season, non season or whatever, but still, I mean, it makes you feel good. It, may, it gives you a little bit of confidence after such a long off season of, I don't know what this team is. Now you kind of know what it is. As we, uh, as we kind of talk about it from text tech view, let's look at the big 12 as a whole, right? So the big 12 with the new entrance coming in this year, uh, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU really already was the toughest co- basketball conference in the country. And we've really leaned into that. Right, Houston, which has been a porous basketball program for 20 plus years, finally in the past five years, thanks to Kelvin Sampson, has started to go back to their 80s roots, right? Starting to go back to the, the Guy Lewis days and, and really take on um, a persona of a one of the top teams in the country. And last year, they were for the first time since the Elijah Wan Drexler days were a national championship contender. They're coming into this conference and be a little bit tougher for them simply because they don't have cupcakes as much cupcakes uh, as they did in the American Athletic. But they're still tops. They're still going to be a tough team that now Texas Tech has to worry about, right? Um, Cincinnati has a has a history in the Big East of good good basketball play. BYU has a history of, of decent basketball play. Uh, UCF is plays basketball. Um, so uh, you know this is this is still one of the toughest basketball conferences. And we do all that, and we have a team that just won a national championship, and then not only reloaded but might be even better in Kansas. Kansas went out, won a national championship, and said, "Hey, Hunter Dickerson." arguably the best player in college basketball. You don't want to be in Michigan anymore. Cool. Come on over. <laughs> um, Kansas is good. Like Kansas is always good, but they're really good right now. So that's a tough team. Like I already mentioned Houston, Baylor is still Baylor and Baylor is starting, you know, Texas used to recruit like this. Texas used to, you know, and say what you want about Texas and, and, you know, then the fact that they've never won a, uh, been to the national championship game. Um, they have been able to get great players. Well, now, if you're a five-star athlete in the state of Texas, you're not going to Texas anymore. You're going to Baylor, right? Texas is a really good team this year, and maybe Texas gets back to that spot. But Baylor's recruiting lately. It's been insane. They're getting five stars every year. Every year they're getting five stars. And that, that's no different this year. And so now you have, and like I mentioned about Texas being Texas, so now you have these, these teams that are right there um, fighting for the top. And that's what Texas Tech is having to compete with, right? We have, gone are the days of Texas Tech just wanting to compete for a tournament. Now, last year was a disaster. We fired our coach because we were only an NIT team. Now, mind you, honestly, Texas Tech probably should have made the NIT, but thank God they didn't invite us. Um, mm. <laughs> you know, but like so that's, that's, that's where we are as a team, as a program. Right now we're saying, ugh. NIT, no, disaster every year, right? Fire our questionably conscious coach. Um, and and that's where we are as a program. Not only is Texas Tech, Kate now, and not only there, not only the teams that I've already mentioned, and not only where Texas Tech wants to be, but you have Kansas State now realizing, oh, we have potential. They're the ones that actually got Tyler Perry, right? You have uh, um, Oklahoma State trying to get back to where they used to be, right? And trying to get and, and increase their, their standing in that aspect, right? TCU. TCU, when they first came into the conference, was trash. They were where UCF is right now. And they've realized in the Big 12, you're going to get embarrassed if you stay where they used to be. They've now invested in that program. They've now said, we are the team in DFW. We want some of the best talent. And they're getting good guys. They just got Jameer, Nel- they got Jameer Nelson's son on the team now. Transfers from Delaware. Right? Um, Iowa State. TJ Olsenberger has gotten them back to a good spot. And so, like, it is going to be a tough conference going forward. And not to mention, next year, with Arizona and Arizona State coming. Like, this is a a wild, wild conference. It's going to be a tough one. God bless UCF coming into this. <laughs> into this. Uh, <laughs> well, UCF couldn't win, wasn't even going to make uh, be one of the tops in AAC. Now they're coming into the toughest conference in America. Um, this just gotten tougher. 
it is going to be a tough struggle. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on the Big 12 as a whole? Uh, it just, I think Brett Yormark, when setting up the conference expansion, basketball's on the mind, right? You understandably take a huge hit when you're taking out Texas and Oklahoma from the football landscape. When it comes to basketball, though, they're kind of in the minority. Like, Texas is um, a good team. Oklahoma is, like, here and there. But you're not worried about Texas or Oklahoma when you're thinking about Big 12 basketball. You're worried about Kansas. You're worried about Baylor. You're worried about Kansas State. You know, you're worried about all these teams that are going to kind of pioneer forward into the new conference. And... I think, and, and as we continue to hear rumors about, you know, is Gonzaga coming? You know, in the, who are they going to get for another? The, it's not about who's going to be a complete Big 12 team. It's like, who's going to be another Big 12 basketball team? Yeah. And so basketball is definitely the focus of this conference. And I know, especially, you know, in the state of Texas, you know, football is just like reigning king of, you know, you got to have a good football team to be worth anything. Because if, if you don't have a good football team and you're beating up on teams in basketball season, all they're going to do is say, your football team is trash. You know, that's their only retort. And sure. But that's exactly why earlier I said I would trade a good football team for a national championship running kind of basketball program. Because that is where like the focus of this conference, the focus and the energy of this conference really is in basketball season. And if you've got Brett Yormark kind of vying for um, c- continuation of like, how do we up the prestige of the basketball? How do we continue to excel our basketball prestige away from every other conference? Uh, because you're not going to win the ba- the football prestige when SEC and Big Ten are, especially the SEC is right there. How do we make ourselves like an untouchable conference as it goes to basketball? Right, let me ask you. And that. so, well, let me ask you this question. Go. Back to that one. So, would you rather? That same scenario I told you, where we're competing for national titles uh, and our football team is terrible, right? Um, or bring back the 2000s, where we had a pretty good football team, right? Not national championship level, but like a nine-win football team. And our basketball team was any year we made the NIT or the tournament, we were happy. No, I'm sticking with my original because I think that that's huge. That's that's a that's so that's so big. average though. That's, you know, it's average. like you can be fun, you can have kind of fun all season, or you can like. I just I'm thinking about I, I would love to get like a Kansas fans mentality on football. You know, after the past decade, and not considering the recent years, you know, the Leip, the Leipold years, but like, hey, did you really? Did it really suck? You know, being so bad at football whenever every year you're like we may go to the championship for basketball because that's kind of like i would like to have that high for texas tech to be competitive for um, championships for something and i would almost willingly sacrifice another sport for that because we're essentially there anyways right (laughs) we're essentially we're not even we're just mid and and it's like well if we're going to be mid can we at least have a program that refuses that you know that refuses gets national attention has a positive you know because right now Nobody in the national media wants to talk about they, – they, here's the thing. They started talking about Texas Tech this year. It's like, dang, we may have to change our tune about Texas Tech football, and we've embarrassed ourselves. And now none of those people are – once again, none of those people are going to want to talk about Texas Tech in a positive light. With basketball, though, you got guys like Fran Fraschilla. you got guys like John Rothstein. you got guys like uh, – I mean, there's plenty of an analysts, plenty of national analysts who are looking at Texas Tech basketball and saying there's a good foundation here. And so I prefer the outcome where at least one Texas Tech program has national media going. You guys got to watch out for this team. They're worth they're worth the price of admission. Well, now let me ask you this: Do you believe Grant McCausen is the guy that can get us there? With what you with what you not necessarily seen, because of course neither of us saw that scrimmage. But what you know about McCausen, you've met him. You've got a chance to talk to him, and just from the fact that we were able to go on here. You know, I'm not necessarily going to say that, yes, we're going to be like Baylor in, in five years and McCallum's going to be there. But, you know, it, it seems like the trajectory of this program is at the very least trending up. And do you think that, you know, with time he can be that guy? I So I and I mentioned it after we had interviewed McCaslin on the other thing. But McCaslin made me a believer because of how much he believes in himself and how much he believes in like this place, this program. Every He's very well-rounded. And so for me. If there's anybody that's going to do it, like I feel like McCaslin has the best chance because he also, and we, we said it earlier, he doesn't, he doesn't, he marches, he marches to the beat of his own drum. And so if that drum 
is getting us, you know, wins against top 25 teams and he's being competitive and going after his own guys and not trying to assimilate to what other people want him to do. Those are the kind of guys that win you championships because those are the kind of guys, those are the architects who know this is what's going to get us there and I will do nothing less than fill this out to fulfill this blueprint. And so I would mentioned it a couple of pods ago, that like McCaslin has been an architect who has not shown us the blueprint. But after this A&M game, we're starting to see little bits of it and every little bit of it is very exciting. You know, not that this team is going to be world beaters this season, um, but the upside seems so much higher than I think we previously imagined. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and now it's, and I do think that this fan base, um, because we've been to the national championship game now does legitimately have expectations. So missing out on the tournament any year, we're going to actually ask this question last year, um, you know, missing out on the tournament is almost, it seems like it's now non-negotiable for this fan base, which, which is a good thing. Like I, you know, last year I, I had to think about this because last year I, I, I kind of, was I thought I found it weird where the fan base was and how the fan base is treating the team most of the year, right? We had a lot of issues, a lot of problems, and we saw what the, the peak could be for the team, but we also saw what the bottom could be. And I felt it very weird where the fan base was now, where anything that happened, no matter what happened, missing the tournament was a was a bad thing. But I, I've had actually some time to reflect over the off season, and you know, fans should apply pressure. Fans should apply should apply pressure. Like having this expectation, and and one of the constant feedback that I was getting from a lot of fans was is that every year, regardless of the coach, regardless of situations, the NCAA tournament should be a bare minimum requirement, and which is wildly different than where we were, hell, even five plus years ago, right? Like that is just not where this fan base has ever been. But now, but that is actually a good thing that is a good thing that's where the fan base is we're missing the tournament even in grant mccasland's first year if we miss a tournament that is a failure that is not a good thing that is where as a fan base i think we should be that is where we are it sounds like and grant mccasland knows the, I, listen if he didn't know this before he took the job he knows it now <laughs> people have been in his inbox they've been calling him idiots all types of idiots and stuff like that so if he didn't know before he definitely knows now so with that I do kind of want to talk about uh, this team, uh, the Texas Tech team itself. We talked about Pop Isaacs. Uh, the, the the starting five for uh, the game that we saw had uh, Pop Isaacs. It had uh, um, uh, Toussaint, Devin Cambridge, uh, Chance McMillian, and Warren Washington. That was the, the starting five uh, for that game. Warren Washington, big, huge guy, tall guy in the middle. Um, one of the things we had talked about pre-pod was is that this team, when he went on the bench, struggled to rebound. And actually, shout out to Kenzie. She actually mentioned this in the offseason. The fact that Warren Washington is our only big guy, right? That it, we are, times he has to take a break, times if he gets in foul trouble. Like, if I'm the opposing coach, my priority number one is going to be to get Warren Washington in foul trouble because we're going to have, once he's out, the rest of the team is really between 6'4 and 6'7, right? We don't really have a, another big guy, right? I think he's going to be very valuable while he's on the court. But if something happens, it, when he's not on the court, it is going to be a little bit of a struggle. But everybody really fits in a role. Warren Washington as a big guy. Joe Toussaint as that facilitator, which we desperately needed last year. Um, the, the the score, uh, Pop Isaacs, right? Um, you, you you know, we have that, that 3 and D guy in Lamar Washington, right? And Lamar Washington actually had a really good game. We also have another 3 and D guy in, and actually I would argue Cambridge, McMillian, and Lamar Washington are all 3 and D guys, right? But this this team, you know, and to kind of round out some of the other guys that we have on the team that's that's going to be there, Kerwin Walton is still here, and we're going to be using, you, you get, we'll get a good shot to see as far as if his three-point shooting has improved. Robert Jennings is also still here, and I think he's going to actually take a, a bigger role in this team as well. Um but and then not to, not to mention uh, the star freshman who was able to keep his commitment to Tech after the coaching change in Drew Steph, um, you know, and and uh, uh, getting it, I think this team all kind of fits into their role. We have guys, we have shooters, we have d- defensive players, we have a facilitator, we have a center. I think the biggest question that I have is whether we have depth, and whenever some of these guys that have distinct roles take a seat, are there guys to fill in it? Right, and we kind of already know that not really for Warren Washington. I would argue I don't know if we have a guy to fill in Toussaint's role shoes, because the the best passer after Toussaint is probably Pop Isaacs, right? So you know, do we have whether guys? I think we have got three and D guys. We have plenty of them, but outside of our distinct roles, 
do we have if Kerwin Walton has a bad shooting night, right? Will Demarion Williams be the guy to be able to fill in his role in his in his shoes there, right? Will Chance McMillian be the guy to fit in his shoes there? And that's why I question. Yeah, I think that's a valid. I mean, that's going to be the valid fear for the whole season is, you know, when you when you put together a team like this, typically you're just putting together, um, you're bringing together transfer, uh, you're bringing together transfer options because your idea is like I need to kind of heal this team up and bring you know bring something to the table for next season especially when you had the transfer the transfers that you did out of the season remember you, you lost elijah fisher you lost Jalen tyson you lost kj allen you lost daniel bacho uh, between kj allen and daniel bacho you, you lost a lot of strength on the inside uh you lost uh fardaz amac don't forget and um robert jennings was a maybe and he's come back and so you, you had a lot of gaps in this this team that now what you need to do if you're coming in as a coach, like I need to just fill the holes, you know, I'm not, you're not thinking about, I need to strengthen the depth of this team. You're thinking about, I need to get us a team that can play, you know, I need to feel the team that's going to be able to play. So, you know, getting guys like Joe Toussaint, getting guys like Devin Cambridge, Warren Washington, getting guys like Chance McMillan, Darian Williams, uh, Kyron Lindsay, you know, these are big guys that you, you, these are big, you know, pretty good, pretty good gets. And, um, but the problem is that now you've got, you've just got a lot of question marks revolving around depth chart. And that's not surprising. Like it's not surprising that you have um, that depth is going to be your issue. Cause it's a year one coach filling out his team with a lot of transfer players just to plug the holes. So like, that's just going to be, that's going to be the nature of it. So um, I think that that's just, that's just, that comes with the territory is what I'm trying to say. So it just comes with the territory. Yeah. And, and so we'll, we'll, we'll get a, uh, an opportunity to really see how this team truly is going to operate uh, starting November 8th, starting, this is going to drop on uh, either Monday or Tuesday. So this will, you know, Wednesday, Wednesday of this week is whenever we're going to get our first opportunity against Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, so make sure you um, make sure you head out to the USA uh, and get a look at the team. See how the team is. I mean, the non-con schedule is actually a fairly easy one. It's going to ease into the Grant McCausen era, uh, A&M Commerce, San Jose State. Uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, all at home. Um, we also have uh, other other matchups against o- Omaha at home, Oral Roberts at home, UT Arlington at home, Sam Houston at home, North Alabama at home. Safe to say our non-con schedule isn't very tough. I think that where we're going to see most of the the battles uh, that's going to be very interesting is going to the first one's going to be that battle for Atlantis, which is going to be pretty fun. I've, I've watched the battle for Atlantis every single year, and and my team's never in it, uh, but this year we will be. And so we'll get an opportunity to see, uh, we'll be out in the Bahamas, a team trip, and play Villanova. And that's going to be fun. That is going to be a good game, a fun time. We'll see who else will get the opportunity to play for the in the Battle of Atlantis. And that is going to be a tournament-style game. Um, we're also going to go out to uh, play Butler in the Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, which I, I would hope at the time we will be favored for that. But I, I think that'll be a good, nice road test in the Big 12 Big East battle there. Um, and then the only other one that we have is, again, another neutral side game against Vanderbilt uh, out in Fort Worth. Which will definitely—I mean—that's a quote-unquote neutral site game. That's a home game. Uh, Vanderbilt, you're coming into Fort Worth. You're gonna be shocked. Uh, people that don't realize just how much DFW is Texas. We played A&M in a neutral site in Denton, and technically Denton is closer to College Station than it is to Lubbock. You wouldn't know it from the everything that I saw. That was a Texas. The I mean, A&M fans were there. But that was about 60 to 70 percent tech fans. And that, uh, um, you know, I've always told people that the DFW, Texas is probably the number one school, the DFW. I mean, they kind of are everywhere except for Lubbock. Um, But Texas Tech is number two in in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so that was proven, I think, in that game. And Vanderbilt's going to find out the hard way in the Dickies arena. But our non-con schedule is pretty simple. And then we get into the the battle, which is the Big 12. And there's not going to be a simple game in our schedule, except for February 10th when we play UCF. That'll be easy. But other than that, um, and luckily we get to play UCF twice, so thank goodness for that. Uh, other than those two games, um, you know, this everything in this conference is going to be tough. I mean, you know, looking at CBS actually has West Virginia as the second worst team in the conference. That is a tough team. Right, like West Virginia ain't no no snuffs, right? They, they, that's gonna that's another team that I'm like, hey, are we sure? So, uh, very tough conference. I, my my last question to you before we get up out of here, Jeremy, is as we talk about how tough this conference is and how tough outside of the non-con schedule, how tough uh, this team is. Where do we finish? Fourteen teams this year. Where do you see Texas Tech finishing? Um, and you know. Do, do we make a tournament? What seed are we in? Give me, give me my, your end of the year prediction. 
just as a quick reminder, Texas Tech has picked eighth in the preseason poll, really just ahead of West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, BYU, and UCF. Um, seeing a lot of those new teams popping up at the bottom because they're they're really unknowns in a conference like this. Houston, obviously nobody's questioning them. So they're right behind Kansas at number two. Um, it is hard to look, you know, I think that we do float around that five to nine range because when you look at the poll, you got, I mean, when you look at the teams, Kansas and Houston obviously will be vying for, you know, they're going to be vying for another deep run in the tournament. Texas, Baylor, TCU, Kansas State, and Iowa State are all ones ahead of us. I do, I am curious about Texas's identity uh, this year going into the uh, a new coaching era, a new official coaching era. Um, you know, that's always kind of a, how is it going to play out for them in the long run? Baylor, obviously a good team. I would have picked Baylor above Texas. Well, when it comes down to the mid-group, right? TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas Tech. I think that, you know, we have an opportunity, Coach McCaslin has an opportunity to strengthen and this is kind of like a game of uh game of inches more or less it's like you know what are you gonna if you're picked eighth if you finish above eighth that's a win even if you finish seventh that's still a win because you've run on a whole new team it's your first year um you're at least meeting expectation and exceeding if you can get above it so for me i i think that the way that they play this a&m team and it's going to be this this opinion will develop as we go on with the non not conference but i do think this is a team that could finish uh if everything goes well we're playing we're playing like this like this is a team that has the ability to finish sixth uh, behind teams like kansas houston baylor uh and i would say kansas state this year um but i do think that we can beat out tcu iowa state uh and maybe even texas depending on how their season ends up going so i'm a big i'm a big homer this year for uh basketball I feel like McCaslin's made me that way after talking to him and seeing the way that they played A&M. Of course, we've got one game under our belt, and we don't know the context or anything about that, but I do think that Texas Tech is going to come out swinging in the Big 12 Conference, and I'm really excited about that. 31 games in the regular season. What is our end-of-the-year record? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I put you on the spot. You didn't even know I was going to ask you this question. No, I did, because you always like to ask this <laughs> stuff. I, but like, I'm so bad at math that when I think about um, – I do think we'll pretty much run our non-conference. We will we will fail a couple of games where we should get wins, but that's any team. You're just growing pains. Um, as far as – I mean, I think that we – what is it? 20 – I'm trying to think about what would get you in that range. What's that, like 20, 20 wins, 25 wins, 20, 25 wins will get you kind of middle of the Big 12? Ooh, 25 wins would be – that's 25 and 6, buddy. They get you top of the Big 12. As far as conference, yeah. So maybe – you're probably sitting around the 18 to 22 range. 18 wins on the season. 18 to 22. So that would be, so um, you know. I'm didn't, trying to didn't math, answer the I question. I asked, I asked the prediction. You didn't answer the question. I mean, you kind of was was vague. 18, 18 to 22 <laughs> could mean anything. I mean, that could mean. It could, yeah, man. That's how it goes. Nah, That's man. basketball, you just, baby. Uh, All right, you trash. give us a specific trash. number. Eight, so, eight, so 18 to 22 wins. What about conference? 18, 18 conference games, right? So if you're eight, oh, I think you okay. So. Carry the carry the nine. Carry the you know. Carry the nine. Um, I think you get. Oh shoot! I don't know. I think you get ten wins in conference. Ten, ten wins in conference. Ten and eight in conference. That's actually a pretty good prediction there. Ten and eight That's in conference. Good. I told you I'm a homer, man. Ten and eight in conference. That'd probably put us like maybe you know fifth, fifth, sixth in the conference or about about there. There we go. Um, that's good math, baby. Yeah. No, that that ten and six in, ten and eight in conference would be. That's I mean that's guaranteed tournament. Uh, ten and eight in conference. You what you said, eighteen to twenty two wins. Um, you know, so that uh, yeah. If you're doing twenty two and nine overall, uh, ten and eight. You're hitting me with so much math. I'm already lost. Um, that's twelve and one in non con, right? Yeah. Uh, oh my god, with that tournament, wow, we would be flying man, high. That's, <laughs> that's like a four seed. That's like a four or five seed right there. My god, man. Yeah. All that'd right, be a, that'd be a big win. You heard it here from Jeremy. Uh, Grant McCaslin has taken us. That'd be outside of Mark Adams' first year. I believe that would be the greatest first year in Texas Tech history. That'd be that'd be close to Mark Mark Adams' first year. And it would be greater because McCaslin is working with like more unknowns. What? I don't know if he'd been working with more unknowns than Mark Adams' first year. When Mark Adams had a brand so? new team his first year. But there was also a lot of energy behind that team, right? There was a lot of like. I think vitriol against Chris Beard. I think there was a lot of momentum that that team had that this team 
it just looks a lot different. Yeah, just we'll just say it just looks different. So that team did go twelve and six in conference, eighteen zero at home. So uh, twenty seven and ten overall. That's not that's including postseason. Um, so uh, so it wouldn't be better than that one, but it'd be dang close, dang close. So I'm actually gonna go and say that this team. I do agree with you on one hand that uh, in the non con, we will be pretty good. We'll be pretty dang good in the non con. I mean, for one, we're not really getting tested. Uh, very much in the non-conference. That's um, the way we like it. Yeah, just just the way we like it. Um, not really getting tested in the non-con. Um, the one, the, the toughest non-con game outside of the Battle of Atlantis will be Vanderbilt in, in a de facto home game. Um, and Vanderbilt is a meh team in, in, in a de facto home game. So I, I, I'm actually going to say, I, I do say we, I, we're going to get two losses there, whether it's, you know, whether it's both of them are in the Battle for Atlantis or one in the Battle for, for Atlantis and then uh, one elsewhere. Um, uh, I actually have us at nine and nine in conference, so that's that's actually pretty pretty close. Um, nine and nine in conference that would put us to uh, what is that nineteen twenty and eleven overall. Um, still a pretty dang good year twenty and eleven. That great that, year. That, get, yeah. that does get us an NCAA tournament. Um, you know nine and nine in this conference is that's that's fantastic. That I think that is um, that's going to get you places. And that does put us right at about that seven mark, middle of the conference, right there. Right, nine and nine in conference, right in the smack dab in the middle. Um, and so uh, I do think this is a middle of the road team. Um, I think that there, like I said, depth is a concern to me, but I do think that starting five is a, is a fun. St- I think that starting five can compete with the best of them. Right, and I think when we get to the towards the tournament, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, as these depth isn't as important when we get to the tournament, right? Those rotations get slimmed down. Sometimes even seven players. You know what? Get slimmed down to seven. If we're fully healthy at the end of the year, I'm, I'll take our seven against most. I will take our seven against most. So, um, so yeah, I think that's good. Uh, so neither of us have us winning the tournament or winning the conference. Um, no, I don't have us winning yeah, the championship. Not at all. I don't even have us really competing for the conference. But a good, we, we should make the tournament. I think seven, nine and nine, and twenty and eleven. That'll put us at about maybe a six seed for me. Um, you know, put us maybe maybe seven seed, six seven seed there, uh, which I think is a good first year. Um, how far in the tournament do we go, Jeremy? I was going to say, depending on the draw that you get for that. Um, for that first round, I think you can make it to the second round, but I don't think you make it to the. You have us at about a five, at about five, four, like a five seed, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's five um, twelve. Yeah, I think you you get you can get to that second round, but I think when you get there, again, it's always hard to say because I can't, you know, we don't know the bracket until much later, but you know, I don't think that you make it past that second round. You know, I think that that's where you kind of hit your limit. Um, I doubt that this team is fully healthy by tournament. It is, it is, that is such a unicorn thing to happen. Um, but I do think that whatever we've got going, we can get to that second round. And that'd be a really good finish for the year for McCaslin in his first year. Dang, Jeremy putting bad juju on us already. I will say, um, yeah, so I, like I said, I have a six and seven, six, six, seven seed there. That'd be really tough second round matchup. I kind of agree with you there. Second round for us as well. Um, you know, but, but either, I think that's a good first year. And we have six. We, we're going to be able to see success later on, right? Um, you know, our, it, it'll be interesting to see recruiting going forward if he is going to Matt Wells it and just go transfer portal, or a lot of team players or coaches are using transfer portal for their first year. But I would like to actually see him go back to the high school formula that worked at UNT, right? Go back to the high school formula. Do this. It's actually his recruiting is he's kind of taking some advice from Jer- uh, Joey McGuire and how he's doing it, attacking some of the Texas high school, which he already is very familiar with, um, and and uh, you know kind of going forward there. So um, just like I go forward with Charlie Hustle, <laughs> Charlie Hustle, I would be remiss if I finish this uh, podcast without talking about Charlie Hustle. And Jeremy's actually wearing the hoodie right now. It is a great looking hoodie. Um, you can go to charliehustle.com and get. 15% off of all non-sale items using our promo code 101215. That's T-E-N-1215. Uh, Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh. They are the official vintage retailer for the Big 12. So get get that swag, charliehustle.com. Um, so with that being said, I think we both have us going to the tournament. I think we both have us kind of a middle-of-the-road team. You have us above average. I have us smack dab at average. Uh, but tournament team in the Big 12, that's 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 great. And I think it sets us up for future success in this conference. Um, anything else you want to say to the people? It's coming, baby. Basketball season is coming. 
Uh, and women's basketball season is coming as well. And we will make sure to get have an episode for women's basketball and talk about the Lady Raiders. I have been given full permission to talk, call them Lady Raiders, so I am doing so. This I think this will be the first season I've done the entire season calling them Lady Raiders because that is I've been told that is what they want. They do not want to be called the Texas Tech women's basketball team. I mean, they do, but it's they are the Lady Raiders, and that's very unique to them, and I will respect that. Um, but Lady Raiders, t- I mean, I'm excited for this Lady Raiders season. I am excited. Um, even though JoJo got hurt again, but I am I am very excited uh, for this team, uh, for what they can what they can do, uh, what Coach Gerlich has coming here, and we will be make sure to talk about that. Um, who knows? Might even be able to get Kenzie back on the podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, she does a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, but I want to get her in front of the scenes, in front of the mic, um, to talk Lady Raider basketball. Um, and uh, so that'll be fantastic as they begin their season. Um, before I get out of here, uh, we are not—we would not be a good podcast or a uh, a good Texas Tech Red Raider podcast if we did not say R.I.P. to Bob Knight. Um, you know, the football team has had to go through this season uh, with Mike Leach kind of on their on their shoulders, and and that Bob Knight. We, we don't have that piece, that bad exit with Bob Knight. Bob Knight has loved Texas Tech since he's left, um, still lived in Lubbock uh, to this to this day, um, and so is a big fan of, of Lubbock. He has no ill will towards Texas Tech, um, and he, you know, he, he should be credited with bringing Texas Tech to prominence, right? We weren't a bad program in the 90s before Bob Knight got there, but nobody really cared about Texas Tech basketball until Bob Knight came. And he didn't treat Texas Tech as this retirement community. He still coached us hard. We had a great period during those Bob Knight years and where we where the expectations started becoming, oh, this team can make the NCAA tournament at a routine clip. Um, we were able to celebrate with Bob Knight as he broke the record for most career wins all time. We were able to have, you know, Bob Knight got us on ESPN, right? We had that that reality TV show that was on ESPN with walk-ons because of how he treated walk-ons there. Um, Pat Knight was was able to kind of grow up as in into in front of our very eyes in Lubbock, Texas. So it's um, you know, it, I, I tweeted about it. A wild, wildly problematic person, right? And I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, as a person is problematic. There's a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with Bob Knight and. You know, how he treated some of his players, but he he cared about basketball. He cared about college basketball at its core and did a lot for Texas Tech basketball. For that, I thank him. Rest in peace to Bob Knight and his family. Um, Yeah. So, on that note, we're going to end it right here. Um, Texas Tech basketball does begin again. uh, Lady Raider basketball actually begins against UTRGV on Tuesday night. Wednesday night, it's the men's turn as they play, um, as they play uh, Commerce A and M Commerce. We already beat one A and M team. Let's beat another, and actually we got A and M Corpus Christi as well. Let's beat them all. Let's beat the whole system. Uh, schedule Prairie View. We can beat them too. So with that being said, for the People's Champ, that is Jeremy Gillen. This is I'll be sure, and you've been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the Ten Twelve Network. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.